Hello and welcome to a wide world of fan fiction, where fan fiction is treated as the high art form that it is. I am your host, Mystery Person. You can find my name on Facebook, but don't because that's not my real name. No, I have a crazy aunt who lives in Florida, but you know what? I like fan fiction. And I write fan fiction, although I am at an age where you would she writes fan fiction. Would you like to rent a friend? <laughs> In honor of Halloween, I, your, your charismatic mystery host, have, actually, if you're, if you clicked on this from the C2E2 page, it's really not a mystery. I'm not a mystery, I, I'm a very boring host, that's who I, your mystery and or very boring host, I have perused the shelves of fanfiction.net and found you something, I think, something that has real potential. And I'm not being ironic. This isn't the Twilight fanfiction. Ah, <laughs> oh, gosh. If you like Twilight, I'm sorry. I don't know why you like Twilight. Anyway, here's... <laughs> that was a personal attack. Yes, yes, it was. And here's... Today's pick comes from miscellaneous cartoon crossovers. From It's by Milordo-Z 2.0. Milordo, Young Frankenstein. It is fiction, it's a parody, and there's ten chapters... And it was uh, updated in 2008, but published in 2007. And it and it is a it is a parody of the Mel Brooks film that was written on the set of Blazing Saddles by Gene Wilder, Young Frankenstein, and it, it's it's a real. It, it's a classic, trust me. After reading this, you're going to be like, wow, I should go watch the real thing and I can go talk about it with the host of that podcast who's seen it several times in one sprint. And our cast is Edward Elderick, FMA, Full Metal Alchemist, as Frederick Frankenstein, Katara from Avatar The Last Airbender as Inga, Cosmo Kramer from Seinfeld as Icor. Rita Repulsa from Power Rangers as Frau Bluehair, Ray Hino from Sailor Moon as Elizabeth, and and Ed from and Ed from Ed, Ed and Eddie as the monster. And hope you like it as hope you like it. And actually, we're starting off with chapter two, and it is called the Will. And we're not going to be able to get through this, but. I think you should read this. I looked over it, and it's actually pretty sound. And it's not. It's not. It's. I. I really like this one. So anyway, Chapter Two: The Will. Hey there. Hey there. T h e i r. I might have lied about some things. I just. <laughs> I've lied a few times in my life. T h e i e r. Reviewers. This is my first story. Hope you enjoy it. This is dedicated to Dark Magician Mon, Dark Magician Mon, Move Dash Brad, Slip Deck, Durasonic, and Darth and Darth Ben Valor. If if you're still on fanfiction.net, congratulations, you're famous now. It was a dark and stormy night. 
The thunder roared as a lonely light appeared in the window of a castle, sitting atop a mountain in Halloween Town, Castle Frankenstein. In the castle study stood a black cherry wood coffin, and standing next to it is a old with a beard and wearing wizard garbs, whose name is Merlin. He opened the coffin, and it stood, and it stood a coffin holding a package. He grabbed it and tried to get it out of the skeleton grip, and and succeeded. A n though it didn't, though it did take him an hour. Later, after making a long trip to Toon City. Merlin found Sacred Hearts Hospital and entered its lecture hall. He took a seat in the back as a young man with blonde hair tied in a braid. Anne has automail replacing his right. That might be a mean spelling. Replacing his right arm and left. It's not a lied again. I'm a liar and left leg spoke to the assembled medical students, writing down examples and notes on the blackboard. If we look at the base of a brain which has just been removed from the skull, he said, as he drew a diagram on the blackboard, there is very little of the, of the midbrain that we can actually see. Yet, as I demonstrated in my lecture last week, if the under aspects of the temporal lobes are gently pulled apart, the upper portion of the brain can be seen. This so-called brainstem consists of the midbrain, a rounded protrusion called the pons, and a stalk tapering downward called the medulla oblongata, which passes out of the skull through the foramen magnum and becomes, of course, the spinal cord, which brings us to the demonstration prepared for today. Now, are there any questions before we proceed? I have a question, Dr. Frankenstein, said Sasuke, as he stood up from his seat. Edward rolled around to look at Sasuke. It's Frankenstein, he corrected testily. Excuse me, said Sasuke. My name is pronounced Frankenstein. But aren't you the grandson of the famous Zed Fra Frankenstein, the famous scientist who experimented with the reanimation of dead tissue and snuck into graveyards at night and dug up freshly buried bodies to... Yes, yes! Edward interrupted with a nervous chuckle. We all know what he did, but I much prefer to be remembered for, for my own small contribution to science than my accidental relation to a famous... Cuckoo. The students laughed slightly. Now, you had a question, Edward asked? Yes, Sasuke replied. I'm not sure I understand the distinction between voluntary and involuntary movement. Very good. As our lab work today is a demonstration of just that, why don't we continue? Dark Magician Mon, please bring in the next volunteer. Dark Magician Mon wheeled in a table. On the table was an old yellow-colored man. Edward walked up to the table and turned to the students. Mr. Abraham Simpson here, he said, with whom I have never worked with, has graciously offered his services for this demonstration. Mr. Simpson, would you be so kind as to hop to your feet and stand next to the table? Mr. Simpson slowly sat up and with great dip G -R -A -T -E, difficulty climbed down from the table to stand next to it. Nice hopping. Now, Mr. Simpson, would you raise your left knee, please? Mr. Simpson did as he was told. You have just witnessed a voluntary nerve impulse, Edward explained. It begins a st stimulus from the cerebral cortex, passes through the brainstem, and into the particular muscle involved. Mr. Simpson, you may lower your knee. Mr. Simpson lowered his knee. Reflexive movements are those which are made independently of the will, but are carried out along pathways which pass between the periphery and the central nervous system. 
You filthy, rotten son of a bitch! Edward nearly kneed Mr. Simpson in the groin, but the man reflexively moved to protect himself. Edward recomposed himself and continued. We are not aware of these impulses, nor do we intend them to contract our muscles. Yet, as you can see, they work by themselves. Grandpa Simpson slowly and nervously relaxed again. Modern research has shown us that by simply applying local pressure and blocking the nerve impulses, which can be done with any ordinary metal clamp, Dark Magician Mon handed Edward a clamp, which he placed at the back of Mr. Simpson's head behind the ears. Just as the swelling on the posterior nerve force, say about five or six seconds, Edward watches with, watched his wristwatch a moment as Abe grew very still. Why, you mother-grabbing bastard! Edward needed him in the corner again, this time as the students winced as they heard a thump. As you can see, Edward explained, perfectly calm, all communication is shut off. Abe groaned and his eyes closed in paint, and so, if it were not for this continuous stream of nerve impulses, we would collapse like a bunch of broccoli. Edward removed the clamp and Mr. Simpson fell down onto the table, crying his eyes out. In conclusion, Edward continued, and should be noted, Edward turned to Dark Magician Mon and handed him some dough, muttering, Give him an extra dollar. Dark Magician Mon nodded and wheeled the table out with the still hurt Abe on it. It should be noted that any more than condiment injury to the nerve root is always serious, because once a nerve fiber is severed, there is no way in heaven or earth to regenerate life back into it. Any more questions before we leave? I have one Dr. Frank started, but stopped when Edward glared at him. Frankenstein? Yes. Edward asked, Isn't it true that Darwin preserved a piece of a vermicelli in a glass case until by some extraordinary means it moved on its own? Sasuke asked, Are you referring to the worm or the spaghetti? Edward asked sarcastically, Why the worm, sir? Yes, it occurs to me that I did read something about that. Edward took a seat at his desk. But you must realize that a worm, with very few exceptions, is not a human being. But wasn't that the basis of your grandfather's work, Sauce continued, the reanimation of dead tissue? My grandfather was a very sick man. But as his grandson, doesn't the thought of bringing back to life which was dead interest you? You're talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind, Edward repeated replied hotly. Dead is dead. Now look what has been done with hearts and kidneys, Sasuke insisted. Hearts and kidneys are tinker toys, Edward said angrily. I'm talking about the central nervous system. But sir, I am a scientist, not a philosopher. Edward picked up a knife and held it up for Sasuke to see. Oh, excuse me. You have a better chance at reanimating the scalpel than mending a broken nervous system. But your grandfather's work, Sasuke said meekly, my grandfather's work was doo-doo, <laughs> yelled angrily. I am not interested in death. The only thing that concerns me is the preservation of life. Angrily, Edward brought the fist down on his leg, only just then remembering the scalpel he still held. He blinked when he realized he had stabbed his own leg and rested his other automail auto leg in front of the scalpel to hide it. Class is dismissed. He sat through gritted teeth. The students applauded and left the hall. It was then that Merlin approached Edward. Dr. Frankenstein, he asked. That's Frankenstein, Edward replied, pulling the knife out of his leg. Merlin paused a moment before continuing. My name is Merlin. I am here on behalf of Monty Ump, executor of your great-grandfather's will. Your great-grandfather, Baron Anson von Frankenstein. He showed him the item he, he, he took.
Nothing is perfect, from the corpse which was the will showing Edward is the new owner of the castle. Mueller owed it well, I well, I admit it. Well, I admit it's a bit dull at first, but I promise it will get better later on. Edward, read and review. And that was, ch okay, chapter two. And Ooh. We might have enough time for chapter three. Should we do chapter three? Yes. Oh, I guess we're doing chapter three, imaginary person. Let's go to chapter three. And it is called, It Could Work. Hi again. Glad to see you decided to join me for another chapter. Chapters are going to be OOC sometimes, but that's expected as they're playing new roles. Well then, enjoy! Chapter 2 Merlin had explained to Edward about his inheritance and convinced him to come to Castle Frankenstein to settle everything. Edward agreed and made the arrangements to travel to Halloween Town. He now stood in the train station as his train was about to leave. As he said farewell to his fiancée, a beautiful girl with long dark hair and violet eyes named Ray Hino. Goodbye, darling, said Ray. I'll miss you so, and I'll miss you too, Ed Edward. Edward, without an A, replied. He tried to kiss her, but she held her hand up in front of his face. No kisses, she said. I'm going to a party. I don't want my lipstick to be smudged. Oh, of course, sorry. All aboard, the conductor called. Well, guess this is it, said Edward. Oh, darling, Ray said sadly. How can I say in a moment what has taken a lifetime to understand? Won't you try? All right. You've got it, mister. I'm yours, all of me. What else can I say? Oh, my sweet love. Edward placed a hand on the side of her head. The hair! The hair! Ray, Ray exclaimed, causing Edward to move his hand quickly. It just I just got it styled. Sorry, sorry. Edward said sheepishly. Rayo gave him a quick smile. By the way, I hope you like old-fashioned weddings. I prefer old-fashioned wedding nights, Edward replied mischievously. Oh, you're incorrigible, Ray chuckled, turning away playfully. Does that mean you love me, Edward asked. You bet your boots it does, Ray replied. Oh, my only love, Edward wrapped his arms around her. Taffeta, darling, she said. Edward blinked in confusion. In confusion a moment. Taffeta, sweetheart. No, the dress is taffeta, Ray explained, moving away from Edward. It wrinkles so easy. <laughs> oh, all aboard, the conductor called again. There's that horrid man again, Ray said with a pout. You better hurry before I make a fool of myself. Edward smiled and tried to take Ray's hand in his. Hand in his. Ah, the nails! Edward quickly moved his hands away. He prepared to leave, but couldn't think to kiss Ray goodbye, hug her, or even shake her hand, so finally he held, he held out his elbow. Goodbye, darling, he said. Ray touched his elbow with hers. Goodbye, Edward. They shook elbows and Edward walked away onto the train. Edward stopped and turned back, looked, looked back at Ray. Darling, he called before blowing her a kiss. Ray dodged the airborne kiss with a shriek and wave, chugging innocently. Chuckling innocently. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, my tongue's too excited today, and, and that sound that sounds dirty. <laughs> the train pulled out, carrying Edward away to another land, and leaving Ray coughing in the smoke it left behind. The trip to Halloween Town was long and uneventful, though Edward did hear two different couples arguing, one in English, one in German, and oddly enough, he could have sworn the arguments were exactly the same. Finally, the train pulled into a station. Edward looked out the window and saw a, a little bog-nosed boy carrying a shoeshine kit. Pardon me, boy, he called. Is this the Halloween Town Station? Yeah, yeah, track 29, Milhouse replied with a German accent. 
Oh, can I give you a shine? Um, no thanks, Edward replied. Edward got off the train and watched as it pulled away. He looked around and was surprised to find himself suddenly alone in the strange, foggy station with nothing but his two bags of luggage. Suddenly, Edward heard a strange sound with a whoosh thump. It repeated rhythmically like footsteps. Someone was approaching. Edward looked around, trying to see through the fog who it could be, but didn't see anyone. Then he heard the footsteps stop. A voice came from behind and asked, Dr. Frankenstein? There was Frankenstein. There was a, there was a flash of lightning with an E. And Edward turned fast to see a strange-looking man behind him. Think of Kramer in his usual get-up, but add a black outfit, a hump on his back. Edward looked at the odd, grinning figure a moment. Frankenstein, he corrected. The man blinked in confusion. You're putting me on, he said. No, it's pronounced Frankenstein. Do you also say Edward? No, Edward. Why ain't it Ed Edward Frankenstein? It isn't. It's Edward Frankenstein. Hmm. I see. The man scratched his chin a moment. Yes, be Igor. Edward continued. Nope, it's pronounced Igor, the man explained. But I was told it was Igor. They must have been wrong then, huh? But that's just a title for my family. My real name is Cosmo Kramer. My granddad used to work for your granddad, you know. Oh, really? Well, then I'm sure we'll get along just fine. Edward smiled and placed a hand on Kramer's shoulder, only to pull it away when he realized he had put his hand on his hump. Oh, sorry. I, I, um, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I am a pretty good surgeon. Maybe I could do something about that hump? Kramer looked confused. What hump? Edward paused a moment, trying to figure out a way to change the subject. Um, let's go. Kramer nodded in agreement. Edward reached for his larger bag, but Kramer stopped him. Allow me, master, he said. He tried to lift the large bag, but had trouble with it. He decided to take the small light bag and lift the heavy one. Excuse me. Kramer began walking down some step, steps, crouched over and leaning on a stick. Walk this way, he said. Edward followed, walking normally. Kramer stopped and handed the stick to Edward. No! This way! And fun fact, that is where the Aerosmith song actually comes from. Walk this way. They went to go see young Frankenstein, and they were walk this way, so... It's a small world, after all. And Edward shrugged and took the stick. Walking crouched over like Kramer. But then he realized how stupid he looked and returned to his normal way of walking. Kramer led Edward to a tall cart filled with hay and got into the driver's seat. I think he'll be more comfortable in the rear, Kramer said. Edward nodded and threw his bag into the cart. Suddenly he heard an oomph. What was that, Edward? asked Kramer. Oh, that'll be Katara. Kramer explained. Merlin thought you might like an assistant temporarily. Edward climbed up and looked over the edge of the cart to see a beautiful brown, brown-haired girl with a braid in her hair wearing water tribe clothing. The girl pushed the bag off of herself. Katara looked up from where she was lying in the hay and smiled. Hello! She said, I am trying the German accents. I am the best at accents. Would you like to have a roll in the hay? Edward blinked in confusion. It's fun! Katara began rolling over, singing, Roll, roll, roll in the hay! Kramer cracked the whip, causing the horses to move, and Edward fell headfirst into the cart. Kramer drove the cart through the woods as Edward and Katara sat next to each other in the back. 
There was a blast of thunder and lightning with an A again, and Katara squeaked in fright, grabbing Edward's arm. She composed herself and left. Um, sorry, she said. Sometimes I'm afraid of the lightning. Just an atmospheric discharge, Edward explained reassuringly. Nothing to be afraid of. Katara smiled but jumped again when she heard a howl. Werewolf, she gasped. Werewolf, Edward asked. There wolf, said Kramer, pointing out into the woods. What? There wolf. There castle. Kramer move. Kramer moved his finger from the woods to the mountains. Why are you talking like that? Edward asked, completely confused. I thought you wanted to. Kramer replied innocently. No, I don't want to. Kramer just shrugged his shoulders. Suit yourself, I'm easy. Kramer tugged the reins, bringing the cart to a stop. Well, there it is, he said, pointing up to the mountain again. Home. A bolt of lightning illuminated the castle in an eerie light, revealing itself to its new owner. Kramer drove the cart up the front door of the castle, up to the front door of the castle, hopping out and walking to the doors. He reached up and took hold of the enormous ring and knocked on the door, the sound echoing everywhere. Edward was helping Katara down when he heard the sound and turned to look at the doors. Whew, what knockers, he said, no. Katara grinned modestly. Oh, thank you, doctor, he said. Huh? Oh, oh, that's all right. Sora helped her down and the three of them stood before the door. Sora? Oops, typo there. The door slowly creaked open and out stepped a, stepped a woman with an E, who's wearing witch's, witch's clothes with a hair shawl that looked like horns on her head. I am Rita Repulsa. At the sound of her name, the horses reared back and whinnied in fear. Steady, Kramer called as he rushed to calm them. Edward turned away from the spooked horses and nodded to Rita Repulsa. How do you do, he said politely. I am Dr. Edward Frankenstein. This is my assistant, Katara. Katara, may I introduce you to Rita Repulsa. The horses reared again, whinnying in fright. I wonder what's gotten into them. Your rooms have been prepared, Herr Doctor, said Rita. Thank you, Edward turned to Goofy. Bring in the bags, would you please? He turned to the door again. You know what? Stuff happens. Bring in the bags, would you please? He turned to the door again. After you, Miss Repulsa, once again the horses whinnied. Rita Repulsa turned to go inside, seeming quite annoyed with the horses. She led Edward and Katara inside. Kramer's who followed with the bags was stopped and turned to the horse again. Repulsa! The horses whinnied and Kramer smiled triumphantly before entering the castle. Once inside, Rita led the group to a steep flight of stairs with only a candela candela room? Can't. I think it's, she, that's the plural of candelabras, is candelabra, <laughs> to light the way. Stay close to the candle, she said. The staircase can be treacherous. She led the three up the stairs and showed them their rooms. After showing Katara and Kramer, they left out the best part where the candles weren't even lit. <laughs> she led the three upstairs and showed them. <laughs> The candles aren't lit in the movie. <laughs> They're so much stupid. It's a great movie. It <laughs> would light the way.
to their rooms. After showing Katara and Kramer to their rooms, Rita led Edward to his room. It was a large bedroom with several bookshelves lining the walls. Nice room, said Edward. I sure won't run out of stuff to read. He turned and saw a portrait of his grandfather, Zed Frankenstein, hanging on a wall. This was Zeddy, Rita caught herself, I mean, the Lord Zed's room. It also served as his library. Edward flipped through the pages in a book. Yes, but where is his pri where's his private library? I don't know what you mean. All these books are very general. Any doctor would have them in his study. This is the only library that I know of, Dr. Frankenstone. Frankenstein, Edward corrected. Well, we'll see. Will there be anything else, Rita asked? No, thank you, Edward replied. Rita started to leave, but turned back. Would you care for a brandy before retiring? No, thank you, Edward replied as he began to unpack. She started but stopped again. Some warm milk, perhaps. Edward looked up from his luggage, seeming annoyed. No, thank you very much, he began to unpack again. Rita turned to leave again, but once more turned back. Ovaltine? Edward stopped and slowly looked up to glare at her. Nothing, I'm a little tired. Rita looked like she'd been slapped for a moment, but recovered. Then I will say good night. Good night. Rita walked away as Edward continued to unpack. He looked up and saw a mirror and was surprised when he saw Rita plant a kiss on the painting of Zed. Good night, she whispered to it before leaving. Later that night, after Edward had fallen asleep, an eerie cloud passed over the moon, shrouding the castle in darkness, and a strange, eerie tune played a violin made its way throughout the halls. In his bed, Edward mumbled in his sleep, no, 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 I am not a Frankenstein. I am not a Frankenstein. I am a Frankenstein. He began tossing and turning slightly, as his argument with whatever dream he was having began to get worse. Don't get me that. I don't believe in fate, and I won't say it. As he slept, the portrait of Lord Zed looked down at him. All right, all right, you win. I give. I'll say it. I'll say it. Destiny, destiny, no escaping that for me. Sora began thrashing about like I think Sora was you know what writing is a lot of work you stay up a lot of late nights Sora began thrashing about wildly as he sang over and over destiny destiny no escaping that for me destiny destiny Katara quietly walked in and gently shook Edward awake doctor wake up she said Huh? What's wrong? He asked groggily. You are having a nightmare, Katara explained. Edward fully woke up and looked around when he heard the strange tune. What's that music? He asked. I don't know, Katara replied. Wait, hold on. Here we are. But it sounds like it's coming from behind the bookcase. Behind the bookcase? Edward repeated. Repeat. Repeated. Edward repeated. Repeated. Hand me my robe, would you, dear? Katara handed him the robe and he put it on, getting up to investigate. He approached the bookcase and listened. <laughs> right, he said. Looking at the many books, he began to look through the books. What are you doing, Katara asked. I'm looking for a dev Excuse me. I'm looking for a device. There's always some kind of triggering mechanism that can open secret doors. Oh, hello. He pulled a book out, expecting the door to open, but was met with disappointment. He moved to another bookcase. It's louder over here. Hand me that candle. Katara, Katara, Katara turned to the candle and held in a candle holder hung next to the bookcase and pulled it out for Edward. The moment she did so, the bookcase spun around, taking Edward with it. <laughs> it stopped and, 
Edward, so Edward, not Sora, found himself on the other side of the wall. Put the candle back, he called. Kairi, put the can- I'm having fun so far, I'll overlook that. Put the candle back in its place, and the wall spun around again. Once more taking Edward for the ride. Unfortunately, it stopped with him on the wrong side again. All right, I think I have it figured out now, he said. Remove the candle, and I'll block the bookcase with my body. Katara nodded and took out the candle again. As the wall turned, Edward quickly moved to the edge. Katara winched when she heard a winced when she heard a horrible crunch. Now listen to me very carefully, said a squeezed Edward, smashed by the spinning wall. Don't put the candle back. With all of your might, shove against the other side of the wall. Is that perfectly clear? I think so, Katara replied with a nod. She placed the candle on a table nearby and ran straight at the wall. It spun around, freeing Edward. Good girl, Edward sighed, leaped to be out of the predicament, but noticed it. She, that she, she gone. Katara, put the candle back. Katara shouted. <laughs> well, Edward, not capitalized, quickly took the candle and put it back in its place, shifting it until the wall stopped halfway, leaving the passage wide open. Look, it's the secret passageway, Katara said excitedly as the violin music floated up from deep within. Right, said Edward. I'm going down to investigate. You stay here. Oh, no, please, Katara pleaded. I don't want to stay here alone. Well, okay, come on, then. Edward was about to grab the candle. Doctor, wait, Katara called. Remember? <gasps> Good thinking, Edward replied. He reached for another candle cautiously and sighed when nothing happened. Edward and Katara walked down the passageway down a flight of steps overrun with cobwebs. A rat ran in front of them, and causing Katara to jump a bit. Don't worry, said Edward. It's just a rat. A filthy, slimy rat. The two made it to the foot of the stairs and reached a door. Edward reached out to turn the handle, but it was so old and rusted that it crumpled in his hand. He sighed and gently pushed the door open. Inside, they saw a row of shelves, each held a head, each more together than the next. <laughs> Sora ex Edward examined them. A skull with a note saying six months dead, a half-decayed head that said five weeks dead, and so on. They reached the last shelf and jumped as the head on it began began to sing. I ain't got nobody, and nobody cares for me. Yakata! Kramer, said Edward, recognizing the so-called head. And weird! Kramer replied, moving away from the shelf. How did you get here? Oh, the dumb waiter. I heard the square music from the kitchen upstairs and followed it down. Call it. He, po he pointed to his shoulder, grinning. A hunch. Badoomcha! Edward blinked in confusion, and when he noticed the music had stopped. There's a door over here, he said. Let's check it out. Wait, master, said Kramer, holding Edward back. It could be dangerous. You go first. <laughs> Edward sighed and led the two through the door. The next room was pitch black. Aren't there any lights in this place, Edward asked. Two nasty-looking switches here, Kramer replied. But, it ain't, but I ain't gonna be the first to try them. Edward turned to the switches. He flipped one, but a shower of sparks burst out. He quickly shut it off and glared at Kramer. Damn your eyes, he shouted. Kramer pointed to his eyes, one purple, one swirled and grinned. Too late. Edward looked at the switches again, and this time flipping a safer-looking one. The lights went on, and Edward, Katara, and Kramer looked down in awe at what they saw. So, said Edward, this is where it all happened. 
the laboratory, all of its odd equipment still set up, still up, which actually was from the original Frankenstein movie in 1931. So that's a fun fact about the movie. They produce, reuse, recycle. In the center of the room was a large table covered by a cloth. This was the place where the terrible tale began. If you listened, you could hear the voice of Zed still echoing. Just think, a dead brain waiting to live again in a new body. Look, no blood, no decomposition, just a few sutures. Throw the main switch. Edward looked down at Edward looked down at the desk covered in la covered Lavatrica's head. What a filthy mess, he said. Oh, I don't know, said Kramer. Maybe if we installed some windows, put in some flowers, a couple throw pillows. You saw that Edward wasn't amused and just nuzzled his shoulder apologetically. Well, Edward continued, it looks as though my our mysterious violinist has disappeared. Edward stopped when he saw light coming from an ajar door down at the other side of the lab. Dis a what? Katara asked. Peered, Kramer replied. Edward shushed them both as he led them to the door. He pushed it open. He found the room empty. On a table lay the violin. It's still warm! It's still warm! It's still warm! It's still warm! Said After laying a hand on the instrument... What do you think it was? Katara asked. I don't know, Edward replied, examining the table. But whoever it was just barely finished putting out his cigar. He pointed to an ashtray with a cigar in it. Such strange goings on. What is this place? Music room? Kramer suggested, plucking a violent string. There's nothing here but books and papers, said Katara. Edward jumped up and looked around. Books and papers? Look some more. It is! This is my grandfather's private library! I feel it! He turned to Katara. Katara turned to Kramer, and Kramer turned to no one. Kramer looked back at Katara. Looked back at Edward, who turned to the table. Look at this! He pointed to a large book, rushing before them. The title read, How I Did It! By Zed Frankenstein. After many hours, Edward had to rip through the bo entire book, while Katara and Kramer nearly fell asleep from boredom. Edward breathed heavily, completely engrossed in the notes, until, from the midst of his darkness, a light broke in upon me, he read aloud. A light so brilliant and wondrous, and yet so simple. Change the poles from plus to minus, then from minus to plus. I alone succeeded in discovering the cause of generating life. Nay, even more! I myself became capable of bestowing animation upon lifeless matter. Edward slowly looked up from the book, a truly insane look in his eyes. It could work! Meanwhile, in Edward's room, the portrait of Zed took on a triumphant, portrait of Zed took on a triumphant pose. So how was it? Good? Bad. Tell me what I need to fix, to fix, 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 fix with an S at the end to make it better. And that was, oh, ooh, and that was, um, th and those were a couple chapters, technically three chapters, from Miller under Young Frank's inside. And, and there were a few continuity, con continu ugh, continuity, not, uh, not the curse word, itty. <laughs> That's how Winslow is a scry woman. <laughs>
uh, yeah, so the continuity issues, uh, those bugged me more than the spelling issues, obviously. Grammatically, grammatically, not bad. This is not bad, and obviously, okay, kind of had it easy since you're following a movie, but I think they picked some some uh some good people to play good fi good fictional people to play these characters and there's so many delightful cameos in this i wish we had more time to read the entire thing and we could we could really enjoy more of kramer's physical <laughs> it's still warm <laughs> oh gosh and i could and i and i could be a nerd and tell you more about one of the world's greatest movies and also I don't think we can do Blazing Saddles fanfiction for reasons, but there is a version that edits out all the, all the racial slurs and race like Trust me, the racial slurs makes they're making fun of racism and Blazing Saddles. And yeah, so if you like, this is a pretty solid crossover, and really the summary is the best for this. Not good at summaries, so it's. I think this is a solid pick, and it's, and we haven't even gotten to N. Ed, it's, it's monster. Oh, gosh, so read this and go watch the movie. I think you'll really like it, and yeah, and if you want to check out more of Milardo's Dash Z 2.0, I don't care about you, Sandy Hamilton. Here is, uh, yeah, and he has, um, he has, um, he, has, he doesn't have a lot of work, but I'm, he has a lot of interesting thing crossovers, so go do that, and yeah, so if you're in a Halloween mood, I think you should go read Milardo, Milardo Young Frankenstein, and Young Frankenstein isn't, you know what, I just really like this movie, so we'll overlook that, and if you like this episode, listen to our other episodes, and you can submit your own fan fiction to the Podbean, and we also have a Facebook page, so you can go do that, and go do the engagements, because the computer overlords love that. I can't... Poop. What curse words can I say on Podbean? I can't say... I don't think I can say the C word. I can say that at my... No, I'm kidding. I can't say that at my family reunion. <laughs> That's my drunk uncle's job to say that. <laughs> What's my ex-wife doing here? And, yeah, so... I know you don't care about my personal life, but that did happen once. And, yeah, so if you like this, listen to our other episodes where we cover more high-quality fanfiction. And, yeah, so... Give us a like and all the things, and... Thanks for listening and have a wonderful day and go watch the movie. It's amazing.